0: Amen. Let's stand and open uh, our hearts up to the Word together. You're glad to be in church. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're just grateful for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. and We welcome now just the, the teaching, the downloads, the rhema from above, the wisdom of heaven to just be lit within. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We've been having fun this week, uh, reflecting a little bit on uh, last week's sermon. Last week, I did not know what happened, but whatever I said last week, uh, it ignited a firestorm of interest within the uh, congregation, so... So that was fun. Uh, We've had some good commentary and uh, visits over the week, and so I'm going to revisit some of that. And uh, then I got to minister uh, to the North of 60s group on Thursday, which always means a really good lunch. Uh, Some of the best cooks in the church come to North of 60s. So guys, if you're you're, uh, developing two or three gray hairs and you're hungry, come on out and uh, be a part of that. Amen. So, that was fun as well, and uh, the intention of this uh, started uh, on Easter Sunday uh, as we focus on the cross and, and as we are drawn to what the Lord's done for us and what God ordained and did for us in Jesus. Uh, I was drawn to talk about pain of the soul and uh, how the Lord heals the pain of our soul. Uh, and... Uh, so, we gave you a few things to do, a little bit of a formula uh, with regard to dealing with the pain of soul, which is a lot of what our Recover Life and Restored Life teaching is all about. So, as you hear us talk about uh, those classes, uh, Restored Life is kind of the banner, the overarching name of then these classes that we offer, uh, and the 12-step 12, the 12 class that we offer for really healing the soul, uh, we've called for years, Recover Life. How many of you have been through some of that teaching? So, a bunch in the congregation have been through some of that. If you haven't been through some of that, uh, we encourage you to uh, take part of it, be a part of it, uh, soak in it, marinate in it, uh, because it's really uh, meant to help us uh, deal with pain of soul. And part of what we've discovered in our ministry is that Unresolved pain of the soul or pain in the soul due to injuries, uh, uh, it, it needs medication. So just like pain of the body uh, yearns for medication, uh, and uh, we medicate pain of the body in various ways and uh, many times in positive ways, uh, but in the same way, we tend to medicate Unresolved pain of the soul. And so a lot of times we're doing that subconsciously. We don't realize why we're doing it. Uh, a lot of times that can feed into something that's addictive because uh, we're trying to numb, we're trying to quiet, uh, we're trying to quiet pain that's existing in the soul realm due to injury, abuse, hurt, loss. Failed promises, delays, etc. So when we hear that scripture that says "hope deferred makes the heart sick," your heart is not your brain. Your heart is your inner man, and the part of the heart that we're really talking about is the soul part of your heart. Your heart is actually divisible. Hebrews four twelve says your heart is divisible between the soul and the spirit, and when you come to the Lord, you come and you're born of the Spirit. And it's your spirit that's born of the spirit. So then the Holy Spirit starts working to heal, to mend, to restore, to teach, to train, to develop the soul part of your heart. That makes sense? So I would venture to say that most of us, on the day that we were born of the Spirit, the day that we accepted the Lord, the day that we left church or left that appointment, that environment, that situation where we committed our heart to the Lord, we welcomed salvation, we accepted Jesus as our atonement, our representative, our, our healer with regard to relationship with God, most of us, I would venture to say, walked away from that moment still very imperfect. Probably only two or three of us walked away from that totally perfect. Most of us walked away from that moment uh, with wrong ideas still. Uh, We still had some wrong ideas. We still had some wrong thinking. We, We probably still were connected to some habits or some defense mechanisms or some fears, or emotions that weren't perfectly Jesus. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? And so the Lord, the Lord begins this work when we're born of the Spirit. We're actually saying that we're, we're welcoming God to start this work of inner healing within us. Healing that pain of soul and uh, giving us a frame of reference that will deliver us out of victimhood, deliver us out of being a victim to that which brought pain of soul. This is one of the things that the Lord is up to in our lives. He wants to turn you from a victim into a victor. Is that right? Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody testify that that's happened? God, God wants to turn us... From and that sounds real trite, it sounds real preacherly, it sounds real silly maybe, but but this is this is what God is doing uh with us is He's restoring our soul and uh and He's restoring us with regard to a lot of that pain. Now the more he restores us and the more there's a shift within us, He's delivering us from the things we've leaned into that have become addictive. They've become numbing of the soul. Now, your body is very sympathetic. Uh, Your brain is, is highly sympathetic to your soul. Yes? And your thought life originates in your soul, not in your brain. But your brain is a sympathetic organ that connects to the physical part of you, and there's no distance between the two. So, this is why This is why uh, drugs would work. This is why alcohol would work. Uh, This is why certain things that fire, neuro responses within the brain like dopamine will work to get us lifted out of maybe some depression or get us numbed from bitterness or sorrow or pain or depression. Because when you take these drugs, it essentially disconnects the brain from the soul. And it tells the brain not to send the sympathetic response of sorrow or grief or depression. Don't send that message to the body. Don't send that to the nervous system right now. Don't send that to the adrenal system right now. Don't send that to the glands right now. Don't send that message. That's what a, nerve, uh, that's, that's what a, that's what a medication is doing. A medication, I just need more Valium you know why do i need more of these antidepressants right so the goal of psychiatry is to create something that affects the brain so it disconnects the brain from the inner man but when it wears off guess what's still there the inner man is still there the pain is still there right so we got to we need something better we need something better to bridge us into a better reality, we need something better of the soul. And and this is the offer that God makes to us, that he has something so much better than just the numbing or the lifting, the right, of the brain. He has something that reaches into the soul, reaches into the heart, changes us so that our thinking, our emotions, our soul begins to come into agreement with the voice, the testimony of goodness and victory that's in our spirit. Restoration, restoration and life. Life begins on the healthy side of injury. Restoration begins on the healthy side of injury. Uh, I talked to you about Joseph last week, and uh, and how Joseph, uh, and I'll read this out of Genesis 37, how how Joseph was a great illustration of the mindset, the attitude, uh, the perspective that we should have as believers. Joseph was a great example to us, and uh, I really felt like the Lord was drawing us to look at Joseph and consider Joseph, who was the great, great great grandson of Abraham, who actually Abraham was only uh, uh gone a few years when Joseph came on the scene. So Joseph's living in the atmosphere of the Abrahamic covenant. He's extremely close, he's near, he's knit to the visitation of god upon abraham's life and this proclamation that we see repeated throughout scripture it was it was first declared over abraham but then it's declared throughout scripture to those who walk as sons and daughters with god or called to walk as sons and daughters with god that god will that god will be a father to you god will be a father to you this is genesis chapter 12 That God will fight your battles for you. That God will, that God will bless those who bless you and God will curse those who curse you. So this is interesting because God's setting the stage for helping Abraham to know that he has a father that cares about him that will, that will be his protection and his defense one who will be his reward, one who will help him, one who will intervene, one who will step into circumstances to turn those circumstances toward the good because he is a father to him. That's how close Joseph was relationally to this visitation to Abraham and now this theology that is pervading Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, now Joseph. And we find in Genesis 37 that, that Joseph is this favored one. He has this dream from God that sets him apart so that he comes to know, oh, it's through me, it's through me that actually some of this that I'm hearing about great-great-grandfather Abraham, it's through me that some of this is going to be fulfilled. Through me, this is the declaration of Abraham in Genesis 12, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is a promise that travels all the way to us, because we are hidden in Abraham, and so Joseph is realizing because there's things that are that are hallmarks about his life genesis thirty seven and I 'll pick it up at verse three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons. He was the son of his old age, and he made him a multicolored or vari colored tunic robe, mantle. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. So, by the way, I mean, there's just a little segue right there, is that when you really start reveling in the love of God, don't be surprised if some people don't like that. Just a little, that's just a little appetizer there. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers they hated him even more, Boy, dreamers are really hated. Any dreamers in the room? Joseph had a dream when he told it to his brothers they hated him even more. Guess who else heard the dream, by the way? And I I, I just shared this. uh, This week, these things were just rattling around in my gut. But guess who else heard that dream? See, when you declare the dream, guess who becomes aware of the dream? Yeah, the enemy was aware of that dream. The enemy was right there listening real good when that dream was declared to his brothers. And the enemy, the enemy was there when, when God said to Abraham, uh, I'm going to bless you and through you all of the people of the earth will be blessed. How many of you know the enemy was listening right there? And so the enemy begins to watch over this lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The enemy's watching over this lineage, seeking to devour this lineage. And by the way, the enemy had a group of people in this fertile, in this lush area called Canaan. And they were Amorites, and their iniquity was coming up unto God as a stench. And so actually, God said that I'm going to lift up your eyes. I want you to see the land. As far as far as you can see, I'm going to give that to you. Well, the land that he looked to happened to be the land of the Amorites. And this was the land where the enemies of God were dwelling. And so God said, I'm not just going to leave, leave them out there for a while. I'm not, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let them uh, just continue in their iniquity for a while. But their stench is coming up to me, but I'm going to let them build some houses and vineyards and plant some orchards. And, and then I'm going to give that to my kids. That I'm going to give that to Abraham. The enemy's paying attention to all of this. He's paying attention to this, this 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 that's called the promised land. He's he's watching all of this. He's paying attention to all of this that's being promised. And, uh, and he's watching this lineage now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's watching what they're doing. And, and he's working to circumvent. The enemy was at work to circumvent what God was up to already. And Joseph would be one that he would be working to circumvent. Because here, oh, oh, this is the one. I see it now. This is the one. This is the favored one. This is the one who's received a dream. This is the one who, in the dream, he's going to rule over others and going to be given a place of leadership, favor, and dominion. Okay, this is the one I'm going to get. This is the one. So he begins to work in the hearts of all of his brothers, you know the story, and all but Reuben begin to agree and cooperate with animosity, with hatred, with murderous intent, with abuse and every unclean thing. They all begin to cooperate with that to put that on Joseph's life. Remember the story? He goes to see the brothers, and uh, then the brothers throw him in a pit because Reuben stops them from absolutely killing him and uh, And then from there he 's sold to the Midianites as a slave. From there he 's taken down to Egypt and sold again, and ends up in Potiphar 's house and You kind of know how the story goes and, and and where I wanted to go with all of this is uh, I 'm trying to get us to process. That God is so good that God will even sabotage the plans of the enemy to get good to us. God will sabotage the plans of the enemy to get good to us. Even if we've been a part of those plans, by the way, God will sabotage the plans of the enemy to get good to us because He's so good. He's so good. And last week I introduced two themes of theological thought, thinking about this, because these are themes of theological thought that have been at war with one another since the resurrection of the Lord. They've been at work in all theological streams, and and they kind of make up two of our major theological trains of thought, Uh, and... uh, And so when we talk about, and I I I framed it and I named it last week, uh, theology uh, option B. When we talk about option B here, uh, it's not like we're a cult, we're weird, we're strange, we're the only ones that believe this. Over time, uh, over time, theologically, this would be called the Arminian view. And then over time, option A would be called the Calvinistic view. So how many of you heard of John Calvin. So when I talk about option A, that's more leaning toward what Calvin, what Augustine, church fathers uh, introduced into theology when I talk about uh, option B. And so we've got probably half of the world is divided into one camp and half of the world is divided into the other. And so some of this is maybe, you know, it's like old hat to you, old news to you. It's like no big deal to you. But for some of us, it's kind of important the way we frame our world. It's kind of important the way we see God and the way we see his goodness, because uh, in, in option A theology, good can actually be bad. And they will use, those who are leaning toward option A theology, they will use the story of Joseph to prove that God sends bad into your life to bring forth good. Good. But option B, people will say that well, no, God will sabotage the bad that Satan sends into your life to bring forth good. And there's a difference. And I've got a graph, and I want to throw it up. Did we prepare the graph? Did did it work? These guys are, I'll tell you, our staff is absolutely amazing. So let's look at, let's look at this a little bit. Let's look at option A versus option B uh, in this graph a little bit. Option A says God is sovereign. God has an overarching plan. God is totally in control of all things at all times as he works out his will. Can you see it? Option B. Option B would say also that God is sovereign. God has an overarching plan. But option B will say this, but I could miss his plan if I don't follow his plan, if I don't resist my enemy and if I don't bring myself into agreement." So that, there's a big difference right here. Uh, let's go to slide number or box number two. God is good, but good can sometimes be bad because he's all-wise and sends us bad things as we need them to teach us. Is that what it says? Okay, good. All right, so option B says God is good and there is no shadow of turning from his goodness. Life is bad. The curse is bad. Demons are bad. But we with God can overcome. There's a big difference because if you, if you don't buy the option B theology, the, this stance, then you, it, it will rob the fight out of your inner man because you'll just resign yourself to the bad that's coming thinking that somehow good's going to come out of this bad somehow somehow good's going to come out of this bad let's go to the third box i only need to trust god through what appears to be hard times since there's a reason for the hard time now we we'll, we'll hear christians say this all the time everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason I got raped last week. Well, everything happens for a reason. Car got stolen. Well, everything happens for a reason. Child get run over. Well, everything happens for a reason. Really? Okay. Option B says, in hard times, I seek the Lord for answers. That's what James says, by the way. Are you going through a trial, he says? Consider it pure joy when you go through a trial in that you get to exercise your faith. Now, that faith is a muscle meant to resist the trial, to resist the message in the midst of the trial that wants to steal your identity as a son of God, a daughter of God. Consider it pure joy that when you go through a trial, you have this faith muscle that you can exert against the trial, and if you lack wisdom for what? has caused the trial or what the trial is all about, ask God who never shames anybody who asks, but yet gives the answer, right? So in hard times, I seek the Lord for answers. I hold on to his word. I get wisdom, and I confront the enemy. Let's go to box number four. A loving God allows bad things because he is all-knowing and wise. He knows what's best for me. Option B, there are many reasons for bad things, including my own lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6, for a lack of knowledge they perish, my own lack of faith, if I don't have the Word dwelling alive in my heart, my own folly and demonic involvement. There's a lot of reasons for bad. It isn't just always God trying to teach me something. Hello, somebody. Okay? Okay. Next box, everything happens for a reason. Option B, I need to discern what is not of God and confront whatever is not of God and bring it under his dominion. Really? Yes. Yes, you have been made a deputy of Jesus. See, in your narrative, in the narrative of option A theology, it's all God. In the narrative of option A theology, it's all God. God is sovereign. God is intricately controlling all things. It's all God. But in the narrative of option B theology, there's God in this narrative. There's me in this narrative. There's Satan in this narrative. The Bible tells us we have an enemy. The Bible tells us that I'm even wrestling. Paul says you're wrestling. You're wrestling with principalities, powers, wickedness in the sphere around you, in this, there's, we're in a wrestling match. So therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against these schemes. Take up the shield of faith to extinguish the missiles of the enemy. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, wherewith you will do damage to the enemy. Option B says you're in a war. Option A says don't even worry about it. God will take care of it. He's got it covered. Everything's happening for a reason. Now, these things are important because this, this uh, these things, option B theology, will actually help you get a healed soul due to injury and loss and hurt and abuse and pain. Because option A theology says, well, maybe God allowed all that. And if God allowed that, then God sent it, and God was aware of it, and God could have stopped it, and maybe God didn't stop it. And so, since God didn't stop it, maybe it was His will that had happened, and so... And so you get into this real confusion of then God, does, does God even want to heal my soul? If God, if this is of God, then maybe it's because I'm so bad that I just needed, I needed this to straighten me out. Now, this, this is, this is more pervasive in our mindset than we realize. You know, at the seniors lunch, one of the ladies came up to me afterwards and she was sharing that, that she's had a son-in-law who's just struggled and struggled and he's been out of work for, you know, off and on and they started a business and he lost the business and it fell apart and, and she, she's just been assuming that that was, and he has a PhD. He has a PhD. Highly educated, very smart. And she's just been assuming all along that that was God just kind of trying to knock him down a notch. That was God just trying to knock him down a notch. He's just a little too hot for his britches. but but maybe it, maybe it's not God at all May, maybe it's his own folly maybe it's a lack of wisdom maybe it's maybe it's demonic power warring against his identity in Christ and what he's really called to maybe there's some other factors involved here let's go to the last screen since bad things are sometimes with God's allowance and he has a purpose. I really don't know if I should believe for good to transpire, since the painful thing could be the ultimate good. Therefore, when I pray, I really don't know how to pray. I'll just pray if it be Thy will. Refrigerator broke this week. Maybe we aren't supposed to have a refrigerator. Maybe, maybe we're just supposed to have an ice box. I mean, what in the world is God trying to say? In this, I don't. I don't know. God. Other people have refrigerators. They seem to get away with that. I don't know. Are they just feeding their flesh? Is this just some kind of carnal activity? I, I'm just so perplexed. I mean, Sears is selling refrigerators every single day, and I don't know. Why did our refrigerator break? And does God even want to help us with a refrigerator? I don't know. I just, Lord, if it be thy will, we get into this because we we aren't really sure that God is good all the time, that God with him, James says, there is no variation. There's no turning, no shifting of shadow. God is always good. God is good when he gets up. He's good when you get up. He's good when you go to bed. He's good. He's good all the time. And because we're not really sure about that, and then we and then we don't, we haven't factored in the me realm too well, and we haven't factored in, The demonic realm real well, and so we're just, we're a little confused. You you okay with this? What's Box uh, B say? Since God is consistently good, we can always believe for good, pray for good, prophesy that which is good, and confront the bad. Now, this is what God wants you to do. I'm almost out of time. We got so fellowship happy today that we... You know what that means? You're stuck with us another week. I told you stories last week about uh, uh, these are like the reverse of country western songs, right? So country western songs, you lose your wife, you lose your bike, you lose your car, you lose your home, right? So I told you stories last week about how we got uh, those things back, right? Right? So she never left me. I didn't didn't get my wife back. But, you know, we got jet skis back. We got motorbikes back. As we took our stance and commanded and just declared, just really declared, uh, declared because we recognize out of this theology that, that, that in this journey, there are three in the narrative. There's God, there's me, there's Satan. And God has made me to be a son with him. that I'm a joint heir with Jesus, and, and he's brought me in as a son with Jesus, yeah? And then and then he's deputized me with the authority of the victory that Jesus won over the curse and over darkness. And so I talked to you about how we've, you know, when, when we've been stolen from, uh, we've been injured, we've been affronted and hurt, when we've been harmed, then we... We continue to hang on to our identity. Joseph did this. Joseph could have, Joseph could have thrown away his identity. You need to know the enemy was after that. That part of what was happening with slavery, with Potiphar's house, with imprisonment, with the hatred of his brothers, Satan was trying to steal the dream, the word from his heart and destroy his identity. God had said, you're favored, you're to rule, you're amazing, you're going to reign in life. And the enemy was saying, through circumstances, you're a worm, you're nothing, you're a slave, you're a prisoner, you're bound, you're doomed, you're a failure. That's what the enemy was saying through all circumstances. This is what. This is why you are not destined to yield to circumstances. You're destined to agree to the Word of God. And so, likewise, we've had... You know, we've had sorrowful and hard circumstances happen to us, and we just continue to hang on to our identity. We continue to hang on to what God had given us, refrigerators and motorbikes and whatever, close relationships, covenant friends, promises of prosperity and increase and favor. We continue to hang on to our identity and who we are and what He said, but then we also agree to take task the enemy, take the task of the enemy, and just say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You'll return my motorbike. You'll return my stuff. You'll return. And this is, this is part of us partnering with the victorious one and not yielding to circumstances, but saying, no, circumstances are going to be shifted, changed. They're going to yield to me. And and this is medicinal to the soul. If you are feeling hopeless and if you're feeling overwhelmed and if you're feeling the pain that you've suffered, that God's not even paying attention to it, and, and you just need to wallow in it and, and trust he's going to work something out in the sweet by and by, there's going to be a chunk of pie. I mean, if you just, if this is your perspective, you don't realize it's damaging the healing of your inner man. Subconsciously, it's keeping you from really being knit to God in a sweet and an intimate way. So I shared with you too. We had uh, we had one of our sisters in the class listening to some of this. Uh, she commanded that a car be restored to her. It had been stolen from their family. It was returned a month. Uh, it had been gone for a month, and then uh, that that night that she prayed about it, Alicia. She's right here. Wave a hand, Alicia. That night, that she prayed about it, she had a dream about the Lord returning the car. The next day, law enforcement called and they said the car has been found, and the car was restored to them. Uh, this week, Jeff had a testimony. Wave a hand, Jeff. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to share his testimony uh, at uh, at the guys' night. Uh, Jeff shared this, and and I just think this is where, you know, if we realize what deputies of goodness we are, that God is making his appeal of goodness through us, think about this. God is good all the time. He even wants to be good to those who don't know him and believe yet, and God just wants to just just make us like billboards of goodness, right? So Jeff has lunch with a guy. Was that Thursday? So Jeff has lunch with a guy on Thursday, and... uh, He's a businessman. He's a contractor. Uh, He had a big uh, job going up at the SeaTac area, and as a part of that job, Jeff's friend, as a part of that job, uh, they were supposed to install a hot water heater. It was like the last phase of the job, and it was running late, and everything was going wrong on this thing, and it wasn't coming together, and uh, so... Uh, come Monday, if the hot water heater wasn't installed into this commercial building application, uh, he was going to have a $1 million fine against his company. So they had lost the tracking number on the shipment for the hot water heater. The tracking number had been lost. And uh, so Jeff, uh, Jeff's, like, listening to the story because the guy arrived to lunch 20 minutes late and was very frantic and upset, and Jeff's asking what's going on, and and uh, so he says, "Okay, well, let's just pray about this." And and uh, uh, Jeff, you want to take a minute and just share what you prayed, what you did? Yeah, he was on the phone trying to fix it there at launch, and I think, well, what what should be my response here? So I thought, well, maybe we pray about this? So so we we did, and we we prayed that uh, I could see the, the the part lost, and that the enemy was. Kind of Trying to hide it. So I we, we just bound the devil bound the enemy told him to take his hands off the item and that the angels would bring it back into its delivery schedule. And 1520 minutes later, they they found where the part was. They had it tracked right. They knew where it was gonna be delivered. The whole problem was fixed. And we relaxed and glorified God the rest of our lunch. <laughs> We're talking about packing Option B theology into the marketplace. Now, if I were over in Option A theology, uh, what would what would I have done? What would you have done in Option A theology? And and again, we get. I, I want this to get washed out of our hearts right now. Let this get washed out. Option A theology. Here's what we would have done. Oh my goodness, brother, uh, they've lost it. Whew. Wow. And I would have started processing. I don't know what God's trying to teach him in this. I wonder what God's up to in this. Uh, man, a million-dollar con, I mean, a million-dollar fine, that means maybe this was a $10 million job. Uh, I think he's, this guy's getting a little cocky, maybe. This is God kind of calming him down a little bit. So, I don't know. I mean, this might work out. It might not work out. We're just going to We're just going to see. And so, Well, let's pray about this, brother, and this is how we'll pray. Let's pray about this, brother. Lord, we just pray, if it be thy will, that water tank is found. If he would have prayed that prayer, would that water tank have been found? Would that tracking number, which the tracking number that they had didn't match the package, see? So they couldn't find the package, and the package was lost, and they had the wrong tracking number. Suddenly, 15 minutes later, he gets a phone call. The package is found. They find… Everything's solved. Do you see, do you see, I mean, we can carry this stuff into our marketplace world and see things shifted. And and you don't, I want to encourage you in something. Uh, I got to ask the praise team to come, and uh, then I'm going to read Jeremiah 1 to you, and then we're going to close. Uh, but I want to encourage you something, is that you don't, don't feel like you've got to uh, develop this uh, skill of wrestling with demons. If something bad is happening, it gives God glory for you to exercise authority over the hardship or the difficulty or the cause of the bad and then to call forth, to release, to prophesy, the breakthrough and in the good. And you don't have to actually, you you don't have to get really deeply spiritual in this. You follow know what I'm saying? So, Jesus said it's binding and loosing, and I'm going to read out of Jeremiah, where he says it's overthrowing the problem, planting and declaring the answer. That's how much power you have, by the way. That's how much power you have. Did you know you have that much power? As the delegate of Jesus, you have that much power. Did you know that? And so you could even pray some. You, know, you could pray something like, uh, "Whatever's stopping that package from being discovered, whatever's hiding that package, whatever's harming and hindering that package that belongs to this Son of God, let go of it." We dismiss you. No more can you work. We command the package revealed. The package is revealed. Lord, we just agree angels are helping. The Holy Spirit's working right now to bring that package into discovery and into delivery. You can just pray that way. You don't have to get like, you know, oh, boy. Uh, I wonder which devil this is. and uh, It could be Beelzebub. It could be Beelzebub. Uh, it could be... That was a Freudian slip right there. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Upon that note, let's stand. God has given you, God has given you power, authority, victory. God's made you a representative of victory. Jeremiah 1 verse 9 says, I'm putting my word in your mouth. Hey, kiddos. Jeremiah's a young, a youngster. He's just a youngster. He says, don't be afraid of what's going on in life. Don't be afraid of trouble. Don't be afraid of evil. Don't be afraid of all the calamity you see happening around you. I'm putting my word in your mouth. With my word, you're going to destroy, overthrow, pluck up. And with my word in your mouth, you're going to build and you're going to plant. Why? Why? Because you are a part of this sovereignty of God narrative. You are a part of what God is working out in the earth. You are a huge part. And God knows that in the overarching plan of bringing forth the goodness of the kingdom in the earth, He needs to infect your heart with the goodness of God in your everyday life. He wants to infect your heart. He wants to infect your heart. He wants to heal. He wants to mend. He wants to restore your soul. Lord, we just say right now, deliver us. I want every eye closed, every head bowed this morning, just for a moment. I want you to just begin to agree with me that the Lord delivers us out of whining, out of crying, out of grief, out of sorrow, out of hopelessness, out of despair. We just hand those things to you, Lord. We hand discouragement to you. We hand bitterness to you. We hand sorrow to you. We hand pain to you, suffering to you. We, we hand every cause of a broken soul, a broken heart, a broken or man. We hand all of it to you right now. We partner with you in restoration. We partner with you in overcoming the enemy. We partner with you in plundering Satan's territory. You're you're the great plunderer. Jesus, you're our warrior. And even now, you're going into territories where our stuff has been taken, where our stuff has been held up, where our stuff has been hold up where our stuff, where our stuff, where our, where good things have been taken from us. Jesus, you're going into those territories right now and bringing it back. You're going into those territories right now and bringing it back. You're restoring us. You're restoring us. You're restoring us. You're the great restorer. We declare the restoration of Jesus. The restoration of Jesus is ours. The punishment of God Almighty is on the enemy. The punishment of God Almighty is on the enemy. We rejoice in this today. Thank you for healing our hearts. Thank you for mending our wounds. Thank you for restoring our souls. Thank you for lifting our countenance. You're the glory and the lifter of our countenance. We bless you for today in Jesus' name.